we're starting into a new series uh, that we're calling Instead, and, and uh, this idea of Instead came out of a number of conversations that I had with the Lord over the course of the summer. Um, it's a number, uh, just a lot of time spent in prayer and in looking at the scripture, um, saying, you know, Lord, I, I don't feel like this is it. For me personally, you know, I'm, I'm giving, I'm, I think I'm giving everything I have to you, um, but I know that there are moments and there are times that I'm, I'm choosing to do something else, and the Lord just kept bringing this, this word to my mind, instead, 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 there's a different way, there's another way. In fact, the word instead, which is going to be our focus for the next couple of weeks, is defined this way. It's defined as an alternative, as a substitute, or this preferred or different way to live. Somebody much smarter than me said, if you do one thing instead of another, you do the first thing and not the second thing. It's the result of a choice or a change of behavior. Now, not that long ago, I lost 50 pounds, 50 pounds, okay? Um, this was about 18 months ago. Um, I learned that there was just a better way to eat. There were better choices I could make. I could actually cook my own food. I could eat vegetables instead of fries. There were all of these choices that were opened up to me that I had never considered before. And I found myself going, wow, I can eat this way instead of this way. Or as I like to call it, I ate like a grown-up. I made mature decisions. Now, I have a confession to make. Over the course of the last year, I had put almost every single one of those 50 pounds back on. Gasp, I know. All that hard work, gone. Um, I will let you know, I'm, I'm back down 10 now, so I'm moving in the right direction. Um, but the putting back on weight was not, was really the culmination of a lot of immature decisions. I made the choice, day by day, what I would eat, where I would eat, how I would eat, whether or not I would exercise, and then one day led to another, and a pound goes on, and another, and another, until I realize I own like three shirts that fit me. Okay, this is a problem. I should do something about this. So, this morning I, I want to learn together what it means to choose maturity. See, maturity in Christ, you can skip a couple there, yeah, maturity in Christ begins the moment we realize that Jesus offers us a better way to live, and then we make changes in our lives accordingly. It's that moment when I recognize that, that much, way too much of me before Jesus the, the life I lived before he came in and he captivated my heart, um, this life I lived before Jesus is still alive and kicking. 
and I realize this way of doing it's just not working out. So today we're going to be in uh, chapter 4 of Ephesians. If you have a Bible, open up there. We're going to read it together. I'm going to read it, and you can follow along. Your Bible, I don't have it up there on the screen. Um, and we're going to hone in on uh, a certain passage in just a moment. Paul's writing, and he says, As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. But to each of us, grace has been given as apportioned it, as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he led captives in his train and gave gifts to men. What does he ascended mean? Except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions. He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all of the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. It was he who gave some to be apostles and some to be prophets, some to be evangelists and some to be pastors and teachers to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. So I tell you this, and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in their futility of thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they've given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity with a continual lust for more. You, however, did not come to know Christ that way. Surely you heard of him and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put your, off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, each of you must off falsehood and speak truthfully to his neighbor, for we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. He who has been stealing must no longer steal, but must work, doing something useful with his own hands, that he may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. 
And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Right smack dab in the middle of this whole thing, uh, Paul points out and he writes this one thing. He says, he says, we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and the craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, there's that word, instead, there is an alternative, there is a preferred way, a different way to live. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. What Paul is saying is if you want to be mature in Christ, then you have to recognize that there is a better way. Can you say that? There's a better way. Let's say it again. There's a better way. A better way than the one where you always feel confused and out of sync. Like a life, like a leaf that's just subject to the whims of the wind and blown all over the place. Fall is coming. You're going to see those leaves falling off the trees. No two fall the same, right? The wind picks up and it blows it away. I don't know about you, but the most frustrating thing for me in the fall is when I, I rake up a big leaf pile. And the next day, they say wind gusts, 20 to 30 miles an hour. Now, on good days, that becomes my neighbor's problem. On most days, it just blows right back into my yard, and I've got to rake it up again, and I have this cycle of being completely subject to the winds, and the frustration builds, and I feel like I, I can't get out of it, and when is the leaf truck going to come and blow these things up finally? So Paul is pointing out is maturity in Christ is a choice. It's actually several choices a lifetime of choices that we make. And so this morning we're going to look at what it means to choose maturity. Ephesians 4 can be broken down this way, what it means to choose to live in unity, what it means to choose to value the gifts of others, and what it means to choose to take on godly habits. So we're going to talk about each of those in just a minute. What Paul's talking about in this first part, choosing to live in unity, he's pointing out that, that there's something in us that causes us to be in disunity with one another. And usually it's competition. It's this competitive spirit in nature. It's looking around at the other people that are gathered in this room and going, huh, I wonder why they have it better than me. Or going, huh, I'm really glad I've got it better than them. You ever do that? whether consciously or subconsciously. We're constantly trying to compare ourselves to each other. I feel this as a pastor. I'm going to be really honest with you. It, being a pastor of a small church, it's really difficult sometimes when someone comes up and says, hey, that thing you, you said, I heard this really famous pastor say something like that once. He said it this way. I think I like the way he said it better. I was like, oh, really? Is he pastoring in Pearl River, New York? Or is the word that he had for the people that he's pastoring in whatever state he's at right now? And I feel something in my heart go, ah, oh, I'm being compared again. 
Lord, why do they have it better than I do? Or sometimes I'll look and I'll see another church that's struggling, and I'm going to be really honest. This is like honest, and I'll go, and I mean, God, thank you for, for what we have here, but it comes across in like sometimes the, the, the messiness of my own soul as comparing. We all do that. It's our jobs. It's the way our relationships work. We're always looking around at the people around us, and there's this discord. Um, and we learn that competition is a, a killer for us because it's full of envy and comparison. It makes us ungrateful for what we've been given. It, it makes us mock and, and minimize the success of others. And it causes my attitude to be absolutely awful towards other people. I think I'm a good driver. My, my accident history report would say that. I think I'm a pretty good driver. One of the things I hate the most is when you're coming off the off-ramp and there's a person driving and clearly you're supposed to merge and they have a whole other lane next to them that they could choose at any moment to get over and you're going, you're going, I'm going to run out of this, this merge lane pretty soon and they're not backing off. And I start going, if I was in that lane, I'd move. I'd be courteous and friendly and nice, but they're not being courteous or friendly or nice. New Yorkers! On a really bad day, I say hello to them in New York. Um, I yell out my window. Come on, we all do, right? See, yeah, now it's getting uncomfortable because everyone's like, yeah, I guess I do. But at the very least, if I'm not going to those extreme things, Somewhere in my heart, I'm going, I'm better. The idea that I'm better will kill the church. It will kill us, church. See, Paul is saying there is one body, right? If we choose unity, we're choosing humility and gentleness and patience and peace and this paradigm that there is one body and there is one spirit. Just as you were called to one hope when you were called one Lord and one faith, one baptism, one God, one Father of all, who is over all and in all, through all. Every single one of you in the eyes of God is on equal playing field. Nobody in this room is better than another. You're all his children. He loves you deeply and dearly. That means the person to your right and to your left is loved just as much as you are. No matter what the circumstance of their life looks like, the situation that they find them in, they are no less loved by God than you or I. And on the flip side, no one is loved more than you. You say that, nobody's loved more than me. Right? Nobody's loved more than me. God loves me. When we choose to live in unity, we choose to see everyone as our equal in Christ. That seems to be a better way, doesn't it? Yeah? Talk back. This seems to be a better way. Next, Paul teaches us to choose to honor the gifts of others. Now, Jesus has given us all different gifts to lead, to listen. He talks about apostles and, apostles and prophets and evangelists and, and uh, shepherds and teachers to lead and to listen, to speak, to care, to impart, 
so that the body of Christ may be built up until we reach unity in faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. The person next to you is gifted by God. Turn to the person next to you and say, you are gifted by God. Gifted by God in a very specific way to build up the church. Every single one of you. Some in different ways than others. Some in a different measure than others. A different measure does not mean loved or not loved. But again, that competition thing comes in. We talked about this in a leadership gathering. Here's how you kill competition. If you got notes, write them down. I don't even have a slide for this one. You want to kill competition in your life? You want to bring unity to the body? You want to honor the gifts of others? Confess every sin of envy and comparison that exists. Write it down, make a list, confess it as sin, because it is. Be truly thankful for what I've been given. God, I am truly thankful for what I've been given. And when I'm truly thankful for what I've been given, it takes my eyes off of what everybody else has been given. And who knows in God's hand what that gift that you have given can become as you mature in Christ. Celebrate the success of others. Really celebrate the success of others. No, no comparison. I make changes in my own attitude. We do this, we kill competition, we honor the gifting of others. And when you honor someone, this crazy thing happens. When you honor someone and their gifts, you release them to trust you. You release them to bless you with their gifts. You release them to serve you with their gifts. You release them to honor and to celebrate you back. And you encourage them to remain true to their calling to serve God and become the absolute best they can be instead of shooting our own. Which we've got to choose to live in unity and choose to honor the gifts in others. Finally, Paul teaches in this last section that we need to choose to take on godly habits if we're going to mature. Living with ignorance, a lack of compassion, insensitivity, indulgence, impurity, and greed are not the way of Jesus. They're not the way of Jesus. Can we agree on that? We have to because Paul wrote it. He said, this is not the way of Jesus. This is what's been taught and handed down from generation to generation. He says, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Uh, the thought here is like taking, having old clothing that no longer fits you, um, 
This is the shirt of my eight-year-old son. Uh, it's funny because eight years old, when, I go, when I've gone through any kind of emotional healing, eight years old seems to be about the place that, that it first came into my mind that I was not good enough. And so, on days where I find myself leaning into the old way of thinking, the old way of acting, the old way of believing, that is not the way of Jesus, I start to try to put a shirt on the old clothes that are clearly never going to fit me. I'm going to rip his shirt. And I find it doesn't fit, but I still choose, like, I'm going to wear it some way. And I think I look okay. And I'm going through life going, I'm all right. I'm making good choices. My habits are great. Everyone's like, and you look and you go, um, you know you're wearing like a kid's shirt on your head. No, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm good. This goes back to me dropping 50. Every bad habit that put, helped me put on the weight over the course of years had to be met with a good habit to get it to go off, right? Every bad habit over years, I had to meet it with, with a good habit, with something different, with a different way of acting and living and, and believing. And as I took on good habits... I literally had to clothe myself with something else because the old clothes didn't fit me anymore. It just didn't fit. And so Paul points out some good habits, some godly habits that we can uh, take on. He says, if you want to take on some good habits, here, try these. Try these. Put this into your practice. Be truthful. Practice forgiveness. Share with those in need. Build up others. Show kindness and compassion. Be forgiving just as Christ forgave you. These are the clothes that fit a person walking in maturity of Christ, in Christ. Change can be really dramatic when we start to take on godly habits. Just practicing these things for even a short period of time can, can start to make uh, can start to make you see the way that God has tailored you tailored the fit of the life that he has for you. It took years to put on all of that weight. Do you know how long it took me to lose 50 pounds? About four months. Yet, I dread every day taking on a good habit and committing to it again. Choosing godly habits, this seems to be a better way, doesn't it? Right? 
John Maxwell said this, people do not decide their future. They decide their habits, and their habits decide their future. Right? Come on, that's good. People do not decide their future. They decide their habits. Their habits decide their future. We must take on and choose to take on godly habits. So by choosing church to, to choose into unity, to choose into honor, to choose into godly habits, we will grow into the mature body of Christ uh, that he has said we are to be here at the river. I'm going to share with you a dream I had last night. And it was vivid. I don't dream vividly often. I've had two very vivid dreams in the last uh, month, or last couple of months. And uh, so I like to think that when they're that vivid, I need to pay attention to them. I, I was walking in, and I wasn't preaching that day. I actually think Danielle was preaching that day. I knew, oh, hey, Danielle, you're back there. Good to see you. Hi. I think Danielle was preaching that day. But uh, Andrew's up here leading, you know, doing his thing. And... Um, I walked into this room, but it wasn't this room. It was packed. And it was filled with people from all different nations. Worshiping together. Like, the revival that we had been praying for had come. And because I wasn't preaching, I wasn't doing anything else. Someone came to me and they said, they're like, Pastor Tim, we need you to come and pray with someone. There's someone who, who needs prayer. They need, um, they need deliverance. And so they're praying for someone in one of the back rooms, and I went in, and um, this is where it gets weird, so, so bear with me for a second. Uh, so, so I go to sit down, and I go to pray, and they go, no, go get Musa. And I'm like, I don't know who Musa is. So I walk back into the room, and I'm looking around, I'm like, hey, Musa, Musa. And there was, like, a group of folks who looked like they were from the Middle East, kind of sitting right where you guys are, right there. Except the room was bigger, so you're, like, back a little more. And so I'm going, I'm like, uh, are you Musa? Are you, uh, and then I saw someone, I was like, oh, that's Musa, okay. So I, are you Musa? And he said, yeah. I said, okay. It's like, you, you need to come, they need you to pray. And he goes, oh, okay, you guys showed me how to do that. And he went back, and the person found, got freedom. Musa, by the way, I looked it up this morning, <laughs> is Arabic for Moses. <sighs> Come on. We have not yet seen the fullness of what God wants to do in and through this house. Because he's asking us to choose a different level of maturity. He's asking us to choose a better way. And if we do, we're going to get to disciple the nations and how to bring others to freedom. Just stand with me. If you're willing, um, I'd like you to, to pray with me this morning uh, this and just to, to declare this out together if, if you're in agreement that, yeah, maturity, that there's a different way, a better way, the way of Jesus. Um, would you, you say this with me? Say, Jesus, this, say it with me. This morning, I acknowledge that you have shown me a better way to live. 
I choose the way of maturity. I choose to put off the old self, be made new by the renewing of my mind, and put on the new self. I choose to live in unity. I choose to honor the gifts of others. I choose to take on godly habits. I choose to partner with the Holy Spirit and his working in me to make me more like Christ. Amen. <laughs>